You're listening to the Curious City Podcast from WBEZ Chicago. From Curiosity's point of view, a city is nothing more and nothing less than a never-ending 24-7 all-you-can-eat buffet. Hey everybody, Jennifer here with the whole Curious City crew. We got Sean Ali, our project editor. Hey there, Jen. And Logan Jaffe, our intern extraordinaire. Howdy. So today is our monthly mega podcast in which we serve up a few stories. That's right. And today we have the Neighborhood Edition. Sean, where do you live? I like to call it the RP or (laughs) Rogers Park. How about you, Jen? Um, I live in this weird zone called the Planned Manufacturing District on Elston Avenue. It's not actually a neighborhood, but my neighbors made a Facebook page and they called it the Republic of Elstonia. They're trying to claim it. And Logan, what about you? Uh, Logan Square, obviously. Doi. <laughs> obviously. So you curious citizens out there have been asking a lot of questions about neighborhood identity even within the city, and recently we've been able to answer some of those questions. So today we'll be answering who decides when an area becomes a neighborhood, how neighborhoods are formed, and we're going to tell you about the history of Chicago's Chinatown neighborhood. First up, we're going to start with a story that freelancer Daryl Holiday originally reported for Curious City. He took on Kathy Herwig's question, and she lives in the Edgewater Beach neighborhood. Or would that be Edgewater Glen? Or is it Lakewood Balmoral? I have no idea, but I do know she had neighborhood identity on her mind as she noticed new neighborhoods seemingly popping up around Chicago. So I'm curious to know where those names come from and who uh, decides when a larger neighborhood splits off into two or three smaller neighborhoods. So Kathy was curious about old neighborhoods, new neighborhoods, and their new names. Names like West Bucktown. Or as the locals might say, it's really Humboldt Park. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, there's also Palmer Square, West Chatham, and the botched area, the so-called Solo. I don't know if you guys remember that. Solo. (laughs) From the South Loop. Who could forget? (laughs) But turns out there actually is someone, one guy, who's responsible for this. His name is Chris Devane. I'm from the south side of Chicago, Beverly, and I'd spent uh, quite a few years in the Air Force. And I was an aviator, and I was looking at maps all the time. Chris is president of Big Stick Inc., a Naperville-based publisher, and here's how he rose to be the namer of Chicago neighborhoods. Okay, it all starts Christmas Day, 1991. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock, jingle bell swing. He's at a bar with a friend, and they make a bet. To see who could name the most neighborhoods. And I pulled, started to pull ahead of him, and uh, he gave up and exasperatedly just said, well, why don't you just draw a map? And I said, all right, I will. And that's when I drew the first Chicago neighborhood map back in 92. Chances are you've seen this map. It's everywhere. The latest edition names around 237 neighborhoods. Crane Chicago Business called Chris Devane one of the ultimate arbiters of neighborhood mapping. And he's got letters from a former Chicago fire chief, a former CPD superintendent, Jesse Jackson and Arnie Duncan, among others, all thanking him for donations of his maps to government offices, administrative buildings and CPS classrooms. And in the past, he's partnered with the Chicago Association of Realtors to fund maps. He also says he's been offered bribes from realtors to add new neighborhood names, which doesn't surprise me. All of which he says he's rejected, though. 
But therein lies the problem. Unlike municipal borders, congressional lines or community areas, ward boundaries, and so on, Chicago's neighborhoods are actually decided by residents. So how does Devane determine boundaries and names? I use what's called the scorched earth policy. I ask and research anybody and anything that can do me any good. Normally you don't find this information in in any bureau, any government agency, because all the boundaries of the city of Chicago are arbitrary. That's why we've had three editions so far, and we'll keep making subsequent editions over the years. So the story gets more complicated than this because the city has published maps on its website that look barely indistinguishable, very much like Chris Devane's maps. And Chris has threatened to sue the city over it. If you want to hear that full story by Daryl Holiday, you can head to wbez.org slash Curious City and find the story called What's in a Neighborhood Name? But for our own purposes today, know this. Devane seems to be the one person keeping an updated history of names and boundaries of neighborhoods. So is he the answer to Kathy's question? Does he decide when a neighborhood is a neighborhood? Right, I, I do. I didn't set out to do that, but evidently the task fell upon me. And we talked to Kathy, and she was fine with that. Well, that's cool. <laughs> that's great. You would think that it was like the mayor or, you know, somebody really official at City Hall. And, you know, here's this guy from Beverly who loves the White Sox and uh, helps define the neighborhoods in Chicago. <laughs> it's great. It's a great Chicago story. So Kathy also wanted to know how neighborhoods are formed in the first place. And to even talk about that, we need to distinguish between neighborhoods and something called a community area. Now, Chicago's community areas were established about 100 years ago, and officially there are 77 out of them. And there are a lot of them that have names that overlap with some of the neighborhoods you might be familiar with, ones that are used today. Like Hyde Park and Pullman and Avondale. But other names of these areas haven't been used in a while. So, for example, there's a part of town called New City, and people might know that as the back of the yards, as in back of the stockyards. At least that's the name today. These community area maps were used a lot in city planning. But as times changed and neighborhoods changed, residents themselves started to identify their areas more specifically. There are upwards of 237 neighborhood names in the city now, depending on who you ask. And in the last century, only one new community area has been added to the map. And that would be Edgewater. That's Kathy's own neighborhood. And we could go on and on about this, but you know we hired two incredible folks to make an interactive comic that tells the story really well. That's right. That's Daryl Holiday, who did reporting about Chris Devane as part of a team called the Illustrated Press. They're comics journalists and made really an incredible interactive comic about neighborhoods for us. Now, if you're wondering what an interactive comic is, if you're used to kind of the old kind... This basically has links and sounds and pictures embedded right in the comic that you can click on to find out additional information. And that comic can be found at wbez.org. Again, you can just look for the post called What's in a Neighborhood Name? Seriously, check it out. Now. Or soon. (laughs) (laughs) All right. 
Now it's time to head around Chinatown. My name is Monica Glicken. I live in the city of Chicago. And my question was, when did Chicago's Chinatown develop as a neighborhood? And is it still mostly Chinese in ethnicity? So, Logan and Jennifer, I had Odette Youssef take on a question about Chinatown for us. As you guys know, we get several questions about Chinatown, maybe three or four just over the summer. Mm -hmm. And Odette Youssef reports on uh, Chinatown and uh, Asian communities and the like. So I thought she might be a good fit for this. She is busy right now on doing some other podcasts. Who knows? I know, exactly. But um, I'm going to tell you a couple of the highlights here, maybe two of the most surprising things, if that's all right. Cool. All right. So here's the baseline history thing, the thing you have to know is that the area's first Chinese folks arrived around the 1880s. So Hmm. keep that figure in mind. Okay. All right. But they didn't head right to where Chicago's Chinatown is today on the south side. Hmm. Where'd they go? All right. Here's the thing. That first wave of Chinese immigrants congregated in the South Loop. Solo? (laughs) Or not too far from, (laughs) quote, Solo. But that's this is a strip of Clark Street uh, between Harrison and Van Buren. So it's like a very small spot. It's just a couple blocks. But it had Chinese restaurants and businesses at, at the time, mostly men, by the way, because because of the immigration laws, women of Chinese descent were not allowed to come into the country. How did Chinese babies get made? It didn't come until later. Wow. Uh, yeah, there just weren't that many of them. It was um, because of the labor laws and the immigration laws at the time. Anyway, I met a Chicago native and a student of Chinatown history that Odette Youssef introduced me to. And this source is named Susan Lee Moy, and she said uh, that her dad owned a curio shop in the South Loop area. The rents in 1910 started going up at the South Loop, and also maybe because of discrimination, so they that group decided to look for other places to settle, and so they found um, 22nd, which was um, now called Cermak. At the time, it was called 22nd Street, where the rent was cheap, and that was the old at the fringe of the red light district, the Everly Sisters, the famous area then. All right, so Logan and Jen, that was a big takeaway here, that the first Chinatown doesn't look Chinese at all today. There's hardly any evidence of China anything in this area. Wait, so what's there now? Okay, it's mostly like federal buildings. There's a big like um, lockup that the federal government has, the Bureau of Prisons. If you Google Bureau of Prisons, Chicago, it will center on this big, ugly building right in this area. So none of that was around when the Chinese immigrants were there. And um, there's also a lot of like commercial buildings. Chicago Board of Trade uh, has a building there, for example. Yeah, other than, yeah, exactly. So other than that, there's not a whole lot there that looks anything like Chinese, except Susan Lee Moy showed me a restaurant awning sign that had a little Chinese pagoda kind of emblem on it. Oh, cool. Very cool, except all the Chinese characters were overwritten and it's now a Mexican restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) So it says like La Cantina or something like that on the front. It could be very confusing to people who want to eat there. Unless you're a history buff and uh, like Susan Limoy, she said that, you know, it all makes sense to her. It's just a last vestige of the old, old, old Chinatown there. They should make a Chinese Mexican restaurant though, like Chexican. Be delicious. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave that to our curious listeners to decide. Maybe that's a, maybe that's worth pursuing. Anyway, then Odette Youssef took me to the present day Chinatown. Just a reminder, that's on the south side of the city. It's like at Cermak and Wentworth. 
And you're not going to be surprised if you go there. The place screams Chinese and Chinese culture. It's got pagodas, Chinese characters on lots of stuff, shops with uh, you know uh, Chinese influence stuff, as well as just stuff for folks of Chinese background, where they shop, where they eat, that sort of thing. There's also a park named uh, after Ping Tom. He's a prominent Chinese-American business guy from Chicago back in the day. But what she showed me that is really interesting is that when the Chinese immigrants moved to the newer Chinatown 100 years ago, the bulk of the businesses that left the South Loop were doing it because of higher rents and discrimination and all that. But the place they arrived at was just this bare Chicago neighborhood. Hmm. Odette got a couple sources from the museum in Chinatown uh, to tell us that the oldest building that they know of that Chinese folks moved into today is just this really nondescript three-story walk-up graystone. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's on Archer Avenue. And the only evidence that it's Chinese at all it has a hot pot restaurant in the in the bottom of it, but that's it. And it reminds you that when these folks first moved in, there was nothing Chinese about Chinatown. And it's remarkable now as you just walk around uh, just a few minutes around that place that seems so nondescript, it just screams Chinese. And it just tells you that people are capable of transforming a neighborhood into something of their own. And you can see that very, very well in Chinatown. So that history there really struck me. And it's just, a, you know, that's the big takeaway here. It's really stunning. So you can see what we're talking about in a photo set that we put together uh, by moi, actually. Very good photos. Very cool. Um, uh, but just saying, just saying. And that's at wbez.org slash Curious City. I want a dumpling now. But wait, I don't know that we answered Monica's full question. The second part of it was, is Chinatown still predominantly Chinese? Actually, we did take that on, um, and Odette Youssef found some good sources on that. And the U.S. Census Bureau is kind of the place to start. Um, so let's talk about that. Um, she I need a at, yes or no. I just need I know, <laughs> I know. But it's actually not that simple. But uh, there is a clear answer, though. Uh, according to the research she's done and that she found with the U.S. Census Bureau and some other sources, the total population of Chinatown, which is in Chicago's Armour Square community area, increased more than 11% between 2000 and 2010. And the rest of Chicago's population kind of went down. Hmm. So there's more folks in the Chinatown area and the population's increasing. But the Chinese element of it, from a demographic analysis that we found by one of the researchers we, we talked to, he said that it's like 72% of that community area in the 2010 census was Asian American. Oh, wow. So that's way larger than a majority. Yeah. So right. that means that that area is in some ways becoming more Chinese American over time, over the last 10 years, and growing even though Chicago's total population has been going down. So it's Chinese now and likely trending upward. Wow. wow. That makes me wonder if Chinatown is the most, uh, I don't know how to phrase it, but the most uh, ethnically similar neighborhood to, than any other neighborhood. Like, does any other neighborhood beat Chinatown for having more of one ethnicity than Chinatown does? Absolutely. There are sections of Chicago where the African-American population, for example, would be perhaps over 85, 90 percent. That's true. Um, and Latinos as well. Chicago is still a very segregated place. But if you're talking about Chinatown, um, there is not that there are not that many places in Chicago or even in the area where the population density of Asian Americans is anywhere near as high as it is in the Armour Square community area. Hmm. That's fascinating.
right, that's it for this week's podcast. Next week, we'll be answering this question. What part of the city has the most biodiversity? So the most diversity of plants, the animals, and bird species. And remember, you can ask your questions and check out some answers at curiouscity.wbez.org. Thanks to Adam Pindle for producing the podcast. Subscribe on iTunes. And if you feel like it, rate us. Adios, amigos. So long. Auf Wiedersehen. Curious City is produced by Jennifer Brandel, WBEZ, Ziga, and AIR, the Association of Independence in Radio. Lead financial support comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. 